Hello and welcome to this episode of Triggered and True, featuring renowned emotional health consultant, Laura Duncan. Thank you for being here and thank you for investing the time to learn how to take care of your soul. If this podcast sparks any questions, feel free to submit a question by going to triggeredandtrue.com, scrolling to the bottom of the page and clicking ask. If you would like to learn more about Laura Duncan, we encourage you to follow Laura on Instagram and Facebook. Also, a great resource for you to consider is the Compassion Method Master Course. This course is a deep dive into Laura's life work, the Compassion Method. The Compassion Method is a process that empowers you to learn to see and comfort your internal pain and to discover your true self, your true self, that beautiful, wonderful part of you that has been there all along, but has simply been covered up. To obtain the Master Course, go to CompassionMethod.net and as a podcast listener, you qualify for a $50 discount that can be obtained by typing in the coupon code PODCAST50. Again, that's CompassionMethod.net, coupon code PODCAST50. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Triggered and True. We hope that everybody's doing well and learning and growing as we're all working through the compassion method process together. So how are you doing today, Laura? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Brian? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. good. Um, you know, but we can be honest, too, and, and talk about when we're not good, because right before the podcast was aired, <laughs> I was sharing some of my trigger experiences, because yeah. despite co-hosting a, a, uh, and moderating a podcast on triggers. Um, I still have them. So yes, we all do. I yep. still have them too. Yep. In good company. <laughs> yeah. Laura, I have a suspicion that your triggers are not as ugly as mine. <laughs> no, they still come up too. <laughs> but, but I don't think they're as ugly as mine. That's, you can be honest and say, Brian, yeah, you're probably right. When I trigger, no. it's probably not as ugly. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I was talking to, uh, actually I had a one-on-one -on -one with one of my employees right before this, who's been through the compassion method. And we were talking together about just life and just the, um, the consequence of stacking this pain throughout your life and never comforting yeah. it. And then when it comes out, just how ugly it is. We were talking about a couple issues in our lives with people, friends and stuff of things that were happening. And we're like, gosh, at least we now know what's happening. Cause before, like you'd see like a friend or somebody act that way. And you're like, what is going on? Mm -hmm. Do I even know yeah. that person? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today is yeah. um, relational, like relationships after we've learned the compassion method process, just kind of reanalyzing some of the relationships we have with friends and extended family. We've talked in previous podcasts extens extensively about the relationships with spouse and children and, um, you know, those more intimate relationships, but what about the ones that are maybe just a step removed from that family, extended family and friends. And I think when you're in your, uh, school, the second year of the school, a bunch of the students were recently asking about this, or they were just commenting on how kind of different their life is and some of the relational aspects with some of their friends and extended family. Yeah. Pre-compassion method versus post-compassion method. So, so maybe just share a little bit about some of the insights and some of the comments people were making. 
Yeah, I think that people try to figure out, you know, where do we stand? It's kind of almost the boundary conversation as well. Where do we stand with people once we're not living in a triggered state? You know, for example, if your way that you connected with friends and family was to fawn, and so you were constantly trying to make everyone else okay around you, and all of a sudden, you're no longer codependent. You're no longer in a place where you feel like you have to make everyone else okay because you now know you can be okay no matter what. But now we've created a system, usually our whole entire lives, because most of our triggered responses started at a young age where our family and our friends are used to us acting a certain way. A little bit like you just said, you know, like people, when we trigger, we don't understand what's happening with people. But when people no longer trigger in the same way, in the same um, reaction, that can be just as much of a trigger for the person that's used to you fawning your whole life. And now you're not trying to make them okay. And now you're not trying to please them and help them. That can Mm. really make a big difference, not just in the negative way of being triggered, but also I no longer need to fawn to make you okay. So now I'm just going to be me and be in relationship with you. And that changes the whole dynamics. And is being me enough if I'm not trying to meet all of your needs, friend. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that's the big question, because as much as we're programmed to react and um, get triggered in our ways, whether that's fight or flight or freeze or fawn, people are on the other end of that, used to and adapted to our behaviors when things go wrong. So it's interesting how we just get used to our triggers, because many of us don't even know what a trigger is, let alone what to do with it. And even more so how to respond if somebody, a friend or a family member is being triggered. I think what people are also probably realizing is that some of these things that they thought were friendships were really kind of codependent. Yeah. Not really, really wasn't a two-way street potentially if they're yeah. a lot in of scenarios times we'll where, see that. Yeah. Where it was just more of a reaction relationship, not a relationship connected to who we really are, our true selves. Yeah. Not just who we are, but also who the other person is. I think it's so common in the human relationships for that element of codependence to develop. And as we learn the compassion method, our own love for ourselves won't put ourselves in positions where we're just being used or abused a little bit. Exactly. And I really like that because, you know, it's pretty trendy to say, you know, like we don't want to be with toxic people anymore. Now that I'm healthy, I don't want to be with toxic people. Now that I'm healthy, I can't be friends with that person anymore. Now that I'm healthy, I know differently. And so now I have a different perspective on life, which, which is all true to some degree that when, as you get healthier and less triggered and you're more connected to your true self, things are going to change like we're talking about. But one of my favorite things with the compassion method in regards to relationship is that you don't have to get rid of people Mm. because if I'm going to be fully who I am, I can be connected with anyone. Yep. Even if they're have toxic behavior they're not a toxic person. So I can still be in connection with who they really are, but I may prefer not to be in connection with toxic behavior. There's a very big difference between getting rid of a person because we believe they're a toxic person versus deciding what type of behavior you want to be around, but still being able to see who that person is and seeing them as a triggered person, not a toxic person. I think what what you're getting at is what a lot of people describe of like, I'm healthy now. I don't need to be around toxic people. Mm -hmm. That's really just another form of a trigger. And that trigger is flight. 
Yep. So we're just going to run away from all the toxic mm-hmm. people in the world. But the beautiful thing about the compassion method is yeah. we can learn to be okay, even if we're forced to be. Yeah, exactly. You know, so let's, let's, you know, when, um, you know, when, let's say when you get married, you're picking your spouse, but you're not really picking your extended family. So some of that, some of that comes along for the ride and you're like, yeah. well, and you could be like, well, there's some toxic people in my extended family. Yeah. I'm never going to be around them, but then there's a funeral or there's a, mm-hmm. a holiday get together yeah. of some sort. And here we are, we're all together, kid. Now what? How here can we, we be are. okay in any situation, no matter what? And I look at it, you know, from my perspective of, oh, this is an opportunity. This is a challenge. This is actually an adventure to be. Oh, had. Laura, you would look at it that way. <laughs> everyone else is like (laughs) everyone else is thinking of that uh thanksgiving or that christmas coming up and they're like in just dread like oh my god how am i gonna get through this and laura's sitting there like oh this is so exciting (laughs) but it really is because all of a sudden you're like oh i have new eyes to see because before I only saw the triggered person yeah. and I resented and I was frustrated and I was disconnected and I was looking at the clock, just trying to get it over with. But now I know there's a true self inside yeah. of every triggered person. And now I get the opportunity to potentially re-meet my in-laws from being in my true self. And you're just using that hypothetically. Triggers. Like hypothetically, it's not that, yeah. yes, yes. We don't actually have to go do it. No, right. But yeah, you're you're hypothetically not using your in-laws as an example. Of <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm just saying kind of anyone that you're in a situation where you feel like you have to be in that situation, which technically we never have to be, but we choose to because we love, if you're married, you care about your spouse. And so you are going to do yeah. what, you know, is in, what's important to them. So being able to do that, we can either be a victim in it or a martyr in it of, oh, I just have to go because it's your family and I don't want to have anything to do with it, but I'll just put up with it because I love you. Or just as much as I love you and your true self, I know your parents and your siblings and your family are an extension of that. How can I get to know who you are, who, who they are in connection to you? You know, there's a whole world waiting to be discovered there that we get blinded by in our triggers and all we can see is behavior we can't see person yeah and and you're never going to be able to do this if you don't take care of yourself first no no it's impossible it's a very like it's a pipe dream that some people have no i'm going to be different i'm going to be different with my in-laws because everybody else fights with theirs and i'm going to love them and love them and fawn and fawn and fawn which i also did <laughs> and, um, and i'm going to make it different but that doesn't mean it's actually going to be different because you're still triggering even if it's fawning and trying to make them happy and okay with you it's the same thing as resenting them and frustrated and pushing them away the flip sides of the same coin, trying to either get connection to please and to feel connected or trying to push away and be disconnected because the trigger is too much for us to handle. But being able to go through the compassion method allows you to be able to be okay. And we've talked about it before, being okay is clear-minded, tender-hearted, at peace in any situation with any friendship or any family relationship. Yeah. Yeah. You've also talked about being like a superpower. It really is. Yeah. It's like you get to see almost like from like a different vantage point or you have like different lenses on, you know, like if we could put on like glasses that you could have like x-ray vision, you could see things, you know, it's kind of like that to a certain degree, because all of a sudden what you, you know, thought was the problem isn't the problem anymore. It changes the whole thing because if they're just triggered, 
and it's just a reaction. Now I'm curious about their wound. Right. Whether that's my place or not my place to go and connect with them in that way. I know they would never treat me that way if they weren't sad or scared or lonely. And that's how I see them. Even if they're speaking badly to me, even if they're acting badly to me, that's not what I'm seeing anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other aspect of it is it's so empowering because you so know that, empowering. you know, you, we always talk about how, you know, you don't have to be certain places, but there are times when you actually didn't yeah. really, didn't really have a choice. Like you got put into a situation or yeah. like I said, a funeral or uh, somebody's in an accident and everybody shows up at the hospital and, yeah. and these people are there that you don't really like to be around. But the reality is the superpower nature of it. And the empowering part of it is, is that I don't have to live in mortal fear of being mm-hmm. around this person or mortal dread. I know yeah. that I can be okay. Even if I have to. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And that allows us to be okay within ourselves, even when we're in a a situation or a circumstance that we have to be in. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the whole part, oh, one thing to maybe explain, you used the word a few times and not everybody might understand what fawning is. And you've used it a couple of times. Oh yeah, I have used it a couple of times. That's a great idea. Yeah. Give a definition again for those. So when we go in a triggered state and we're engaged in our amygdala and we're in that um, we we react with four different ways or a combination of these four ways. So we fight, which is pretty understandable, or you know, we understand what that means. Or we flight, we want to get away from the situation, or we freeze, where we just don't do anything, we're just stuck in it, or we fawn. And fawning is trying to make the other person okay so that they can love you and connect with you in the ways that you need. So instead of fighting against it, you try to make them okay. And so that was definitely a go-to for me when I was, still is at times when I'm in a triggered state, but definitely trying to make the environment okay so I could be okay, make the person feel loved so they would love me. And it's a kind of a deceiving one because it looks so good. You know, I look like the good daughter-in-law that's, you know, connecting with her mother-in-law, but really I'm fawning, trying to get her to like me and to care about me so I can feel okay within myself. And that's what we talked about. I was kind of joking earlier when I talked about it being uh, ugly. Yeah. You know, um, my triggers tend to be more, you know, fightish. So they look <laughs> a little, they look a little uglier and, mm-hmm. but it can be just because it's ugly. Doesn't mean it's, you know, just because it's not ugly. Doesn't mean it's not any less a trigger. Exactly. No. Yeah, exactly. Like when you think about people like being taken advantage of or being a doormat, or letting people walk over them or not recognizing their value or worth. That's a lot of times connected to fawning too. And that actually is pretty ugly, even though it doesn't look like quote unquote bad behavior, it still is pretty ugly to see someone not be able to know their worth and stand up for themselves and make decisions based on who they are, that they would sacrifice themselves to give to people that aren't worthy of receiving that because they don't know who they are. Yeah. You know, you mentioned earlier about the kind of being the victim. So you were talking about it in terms of if you were, let's say, going to this holiday gathering that you don't want to be at because maybe the family dynamics are just not great and you kind of force yourself to do it, kind of the martyr, like I'm just going to do this Mm -hmm. for my husband well or do this for my wife. And what ends up happening is there's some resentment there and The other thing is that really happens when you're the victim is it ends up being all about you. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. So when we are in our triggered self, it is all about us. Mm-hmm. All we see is our pain. Yep. And really, we become a very generous, good-hearted person. Ends up becoming one of the most selfish people because yep. everything's fixed on them. And when there's an obvious reason for the pain, because there's this long list of all these things, mm-hmm. ways these there's these cases we've built, all yeah. these ways these people have hurt us. Mm-hmm that we don't want to be around, we're like, well, I'm justified. And the more of that, that there is, you know, the worse it is because you can never really see past yourself. Yep. They continue to grow as the villain and you continue to grow as the victim and you're equally the victim and the villain in those situations, which the truth is you're neither a victim and they're neither a villain. They're just two triggered people reacting differently. And being able to recognize that changes everything because now I'm empowered. It's not happening to me anymore. Even yeah. if I feel like I have to go somewhere, it's not happening to me because I'm choosing to be who I am in the midst of it and to see past people's behaviors, to see who they really are. And even if they continue to have behaviors that classify them potentially as a villain, that's not how I see them. They don't look big to me. They actually look small because anyone that's treating someone badly is little. They're not a mm-hmm. big adult in that moment, a big villain in that moment. They're actually a child in that moment because they're treating me from um, treating me in behaviors that are connected to their amygdala, their child brain, not their adult brain. Yeah, that that's a big that's a big hurdle um, to get over because um, it sounds very lack of compassion because we're not um, there isn't the well, what's the word I'm looking for? It's almost a lot of a lot of what people call compassion just ends up kind of enabling people in their in where they're stuck. Well, it's or validating it's, their pain, but it's not actually giving compassion for the wound behind their pain. So yeah. when someone says, "My mother-in-law treats me terrible. She does this and this and this, and it's just the worst," you know, like when we're hearing those things, it's actually making us very small in that moment. We're not able to actually be empowered and be ourselves in that moment. And so that's what really changes it. It's not actually the other person. It's my perspective, my wound that is interpreting their behavior through that lens. Yeah. Yeah. Because believe it or not, that person has friends and people that like them and want to spend time with them and enjoy them because they see them in a different perspective. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is so, it's kind of like throwing a bucket of cold water on me when I'm triggered to recognize like just how much I'm focusing on me and like, Mm -hmm. it's not, it's focusing on me because obviously the compassion method is focusing on yourself, but it's doing it in a healthy way. Yeah. You know, it's actually doing in a non-selfish way because just the way it works, the more I focus on the compassion method, the more I work through the remote control exercise, the more I focus on receiving the 10 gifts and filling my heart with love, the more I can be with other people, the more yeah. not, the more not selfish I can be, Yeah, you know, that's like a, it's just a side benefit, you know, it's mm-hmm. just, and it it's definitely just, is. Yeah, it's just kind of that side benefit of taking the time to work through this process. Yeah, and we've been talking about this a lot in terms of situations where, um, you know, being being okay, going to the holiday gathering. Mm-hmm. But we also can talk about this on the reverse side. 
yeah being okay that's not good. going to the holiday gathering Ooh, that's a good one too. or I like that. the whatever the event is yeah the event or the ways that Be- we've showed up because, because how many know. things do we go to because we feel we have yep. to check a box oh exactly no that's a great point a lot of it is just us feeling like we are a victim to having to go when yes like we've talked about there are some things like a funeral or a wedding or something big that we end up going to but you know there's lots of small things we do that we don't have to do but we don't know how to love ourselves in that to be able to say no yeah yeah because it's we can be okay and I feel like Definitely in my early childhood development, I got drug along to a lot of things because they were the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. It was it was the right look. Yeah. And um, so I definitely have that today where I'm like, well, you know, how will it look if we don't go? Mm-hmm. How will it look? And yeah. it's like, oh, that's because I don't feel like I'm enough. And yeah. I want everyone to be, you know, he shows up at everything and he's always there. And, um, well, you know, I want to be able to be okay. Not going to. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's what I like. Um, what I recommend for a lot of my clients when I meet with them one-on-one when like the holidays are coming up or they have a big event that they're going to be connecting to family or friends that are challenging or triggering to them is I have them do like pre triggers or like pre-remote control exercise. So like you just realize that, okay, let me ask the question, why do we have to go? You know, because what are people going to think? You know, all the things that you just said and what many people are thinking as well. Um, But being able to ask yourself that question ahead of time, let yourself try to do as realistically as possible. Like say to yourself, like, we're not going to go to so-and-so's house this holiday season and sit with it. What does that feel like? what emotions come up, what lack comes up and actually be able to help walk yourself through it ahead of time. So then you can make a decision. Was it me just being triggered and forcing myself to go and forcing others to go? Or do I actually really want to go once I work past my trigger and I've moved past not feeling enough and I've moved past what other people are going to think. And now I choose to do it because I want to do it, not for any of those other reasons. And I feel like that really helps to, for two reasons. One it helps you make a, a more honest decision in the, in the choices that we make in our life when we pre-process the trigger. And then second, it sets us up to say, okay, I know why I'm triggered going into this. So for example, if I didn't feel like I was enough, I'm going to, even as I'm at the event, I'm going to be focusing on the gift of enough. I'm going to be connecting with compassion to my heart in the middle of the process, not waiting for the other person to do the thing I'm expecting them to do. So then I'll be triggered and then we'll have a, um, a terrible time together, but I'm actually pre-processing my trigger so that I can connect with people even real time in the moment of our usual triggers that come up. Mm-hmm. No, that's actually very good, very good advice, very good pre-work. And we don't want to anticipate bad things happening, but we've no, been like, but, I was yeah. like, I've been yeah. to this event for 20 years no, in a yeah, row. Exactly. And every year <laughs> I know that sure I. That so-and-so yeah. is going to probably do this. And so-and-so is going to do this. And then I'm going to do this because. And, and so-and-so that. is probably going to make a <laughs> passive aggressive comment, my direction. Exactly. And I'm going to have put up with it and put up with it the whole time. And now I'm just going to crack because I was trying to be the good. And then I'm going to so go long. home and dump all over my spouse and kids <laughs> yeah, because exactly. I'm so upset. 
<laughs> exactly. And it wouldn't and have been so proper form. Continues. It wouldn't be proper form to get that upset at the holiday gathering. But exactly. No, it's true though. But on the car ride home, let her yep. rip. And really, you know, one another thing that it does when we pre-process a person that we already know that we're probably going to be triggered with. Again, we're not trying to be pessimistic. We just historically know that usually in family events, this is how I get triggered. This is how they get triggered. Another thing as well is being able to stop the blame cycle. If I can ahead of time say it's nothing to do with this person. It's nothing to do with my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, my friend, my anyone. It's nothing to do with them. It's everything to do with me. So it pre-sets you up to stop the blame cycle that happens because we build these cases and long after the holidays are over, we can be in January and February and March after the holidays are long gone and we're still ruminating. We're still telling our friends how bad they were. We're still bringing it up in conversation. We're still validating someone else's pain based on, yes, my in-laws are horrible, so are mine. And we're able to continue that process of not being able to actually take not just ownership, but take the time to actually connect to my own wound instead of blaming them. Yeah. And that's what you talked about before is it's just not fair that the other person gets all the attention and you leave mm -hmm. yourself wounded yeah. and hurting. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. And really, the they don't even get all the attention. Their be bad behavior gets all the attention. They're lonely. Yeah. No one's connected to them. And I'm lonely. So no one's connecting to me. It's just our triggers that are having relationship, but we're all alone. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. You're connecting people, uh, triggered people, triggers, connecting with triggers. Yep, exactly. But I trigger bet you cells, anything, if we cells. interviewed that family member, that friend that you had that trigger with, they're probably just as sad, just as frustrated, just yeah. as scared. They're probably having a difficult time from their perspective too, because all we're doing is in our triggers reacting to each other not actually being able to see each other well there's a reason why they act that way yeah mm -hmm. no doubt exactly i remember you gave me a mantra to kind of repeat to myself you know it's it's not about whatever the person or the trigger is you say yep. it's not about it's not about yep and what that what i find that does is it just softens me up to yes. turn my affection to turn my focus back to my heart yeah and it just, like you said, it breaks that blame cycle. It allows yeah. me to actually do what I actually have control over. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's your heart, your, your behaviors. Yes. But your heart is what we're able to actually take care of in order to have a different. Outcome. Well, my behaviors flow through my heart. So if my heart <laughs> exactly. is well taken care of, my <laughs> yep. behaviors will not be, you know, those no, ugly, those won't. ugly triggers we were talking about earlier. No, they will come. It'll come out differently when our heart's full of love. Yeah, absolutely. Love is, love is patient. Love is kind because we're full of love. If we're not full of love, we're impatient. We're unkind. Yeah. Well, to kind of conclude our time today, what, do you remember if there were any insights that your students shared from their uh, pre and post uh, going through it that, uh, that you yeah, could leave our group with? A couple, a couple of the insights that I noticed, obviously they said more than this, so there's probably even better ones or different ones, but just some of the ones that stood out to me. And it's a little bit what I said earlier, but I loved what one person said that they just kind of had this like, um, you know, they, they would go through life and when things got too triggered with people, they would just kind of be like, okay, we're done. We're done with that relationship. And they would just move on. And they were saying how like they realized they actually went back to past relationships 
from kind of the compassion method okayness perspective, I was able to actually reconnect with past relationships that they thought they had to get rid of because of triggers. And then it set them up for the future of recognizing you don't have to just get rid of people along the way when you have triggers, you can actually talk about it and work through it and actually reconnect with people that you in the past got rid of, which I thought was really cool because, you know, there's probably going to be people that we prefer not to stay connected to because of their behaviors. But if we got rid of 10 people in our life that were at one time, good friends or good family members, there's going to be something redeemable in that, that we just got rid of because our trigger told us we can't be in relationship. They're unsafe. They're toxic. They're unsafe. Exactly. Mm -hmm. They're toxic. They're unsafe. And so we just got rid of them, but we actually still grieve for them. We still long for them. We still, our true self still wants to be connected to them. And just the kind of reconciliation that happened with one of the students of being able to recognize I can still be in relationship. The relationship may look different. You know, they may not be talking every single day and spending time together every single day. But the biggest part about it, even if you don't even see that person very often or connect with that person very often, the biggest thing about it is they don't haunt you anymore. When you look back at broken you're relationships. Not at, you're not at the grocery store and see them coming down the aisle. Quickly put your head down, turn around, <laughs> exactly. and act like you didn't see them. Yep, exactly. Have a huge physiological response to it. So your whole body starts reacting. Your heart reacts. Your brain reacts. You're no longer able to be yourself. You can actually see them and be able to say, okay, this is an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was great to be able to go back and reconcile some relationships that were majority of it was just because we were in triggered places, not because we actually didn't care about the other person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know for me personally, just going through the process, definitely having the ability to understand because logic is important to me because that is Mm -hmm. no logic is very important definitely my most developed side of my brain and we're working on catching the other (laughs) side up you know yeah (laughs) I feel like um you know when I lift my my right side is just so much stronger than my left and I've got a little bit of a sore shoulder on the left side right now so when I was when I was working out this morning I'm like I was doing some uh shoulder presses and the the left side was struggling so bad and I'm like I'm like, that is a picture of my brain, except in reverse. You yeah, know? yeah, <laughs> my, exactly. My left logical side of the brain is just so strong. But mm-hmm. so it's still important for me that as I've gone through the compassion method, when I think of pre and post looking at friendships and any kind of relationships, the amount of understanding I have for people of like why they do the crazy things they do is just so much better. Like yeah. the logical side of my brain is like, satisfied like yeah things that i would look at before like how could someone do Mm -hmm. such and such a thing like how is that even possible because they're so they're a professional they're this Mm -hmm. they're that and how could they act like that oh now i get it yeah (laughs) which is so helpful because the unknown is what causes us to push people away as well like you know yeah we could feel safe with someone but because it's unknown it does feel so much scarier because we don't know where it's coming from and why it's happening and that feels very unstable oh there's a a friend that i have and uh we do some business with him and i saw him today and i was like the same thing like He's had some big triggered moments and done some things that definitely people would want to stay away from him. But I'm like, I know yeah. his true self and his true yeah. self is amazing. Yeah, I and love that. I love, I love his true self and I'm, I'm not overlooking the other stuff. I, no, underst- yeah. I understand it and I'm not scared of it. Yeah, that's no, I think I'm that's so powerful. And then you have choice to say, you know what, you're in a 
place right now that I don't feel comfortable with. And I'm going to give you some space to figure out those reactions or those triggers if you needed to. Um, or you can have those reactions and I'm still okay with it. You know, I think when we bring up these types of conversations about how we can have relationships and friendships with people, even when we become healthy. And in fact, I mean, if you think about it, shouldn't our relationships with people, even the uncomfortable relationships be even stronger if we're truly healthy? To me, it's always been backwards to get rid of people in your life and to deem them toxic and villains and all the things that we label people, that actually seems like more unhealthy to have to get rid of them. Again, like we, we've talked about, like being able to have a preference of like what I choose, do, do I choose to be around people with certain types of behavior? Sometimes I don't, but it's my choice. It's not me having to protect myself because they're terrible people and I'm so healthy and they're so unhealthy. It's me saying we're equals. We both get triggered. I either have the capacity to be with you in my trigger or I don't have the I don't have the capacity to be with you in my trigger because I haven't taken care of my wound yet. And I just love that I can actually say, yeah, I can't be with that person right now. Not because of them, but because my wound is still too yep. raw, too vulnerable. I haven't been able to understand it or connect to it and fill it up to the degree that it needs in order to be with anyone. Yeah. And, and really what you're describing is what you talk about with boundaries. Mm -hmm. Boundaries pre-compassion method are very defensive. They're yes. like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. I got to get away. Boundaries post-compassion method are offensive. It's more yes. of a preference. I, 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 I don't, I, if I had to, I could, but you know, I don't want to. Yep, exactly. And I love that freedom because there's no judgment. There's no blame. There's yep. no villains. There's no victims. There's just me saying, it's. Just, I used the example before, but same as, do I want Mexican food or Chinese food? It's as mm -hmm. simple as that. I don't hate one and love the other. I don't think one's bad and one's good. It's just my preference. Yeah. No, I love that. That's great. And I think all of this can be very empowering to people as they uh, face those difficult relational dynamics that come with uh, being a human being. Yeah, and, exactly. And in, as human beings, we are at our healthiest when we are in relationships with other human beings. Yeah. But it also can be very challenging because we've got Definitely. all this. Everyone, all, everyone on the planet has got some measure of unprocessed pain. Exactly. That's, that's going to come out in inopportune ways at inopportune times and might not always be very pretty. Exactly. And that's one thing that um, as we're, I know we're wrapping up, as we're wrapping up, is really creating equality between you and, and your friendships, between you and your family members, recognizing that we're all the same. We all get triggered. Just because one person expresses it messier than another person doesn't make them any worse. doesn't make you any better. I feel like the superiority that comes along with getting emotionally healthy is a very dividing because it says that I now that I know what a trigger is, now that I know how to process a trigger, now that I know how to apply compassion, now that I know how to get my needs met, I'm superior. And those that are mm. in their primal brains and in their trigger brains, they're inferior. They don't know how to, they don't know what a trigger is. They don't know how to process the trigger. They don't know how to get their needs met. So they're inferior. And being able to ultimately have compassion that we once didn't know what triggers were. I didn't know right. what they were. I didn't know. How Aren't to you kind of them. describing that uh, knowledge puffs up? 
but love builds up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Definitely. And I think that that is one of the, as much as I see getting rid of people, a common byproduct of people thinking that they're getting healthier in their relationships, I think uh, feeling like we're superior. Some judgment creeps Now we know so much that we can't hang out with those people because people say things like, I outgrew them. Mm, But we're not outgrowing them just because they're stuck in a trigger. And I learned how to process my trigger. We, They still have a true self. I still have a true self. We're equals. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're all sojourners on this journey, learning, learning, learning to comfort that pain. Yep. And learning to live more and more from our true self. Yeah, exactly. That humility allows us first, remember this, everything we're saying today, you cannot do unless you give it to yourself first. Mm -hmm. So first, if you're coming up on, you know, trying to process a friendship or process a holiday or process something that you're going through with a family member or a friend, do your pre-process like I talked about. Be able to recognize that it's always within you, whatever's going on, and be able to be okay to be able to get bring compassion or get your need met or whatever you need to go into any situation. And then secondary, to be able to see that person for who they are and be able to say their behavior matters, but they matter more. Mm. That's our goal in every single relationship that we have that we would be able to say through a heart that's full and has been well taken care of what they do matters, but they matter more. Mm -hmm. That's relationship. That's connection. That's what love looks like. That's good. Well, thank you, Laura, for sharing all these amazing insights. And I'd like to remind our listeners that we'd love to hear from you. So you can go to triggeredandtrue.com and ask us a question or make a comment. And we would love to answer your question on one of these episodes. And also, if you want to learn more about Laura's full body of work, just go to lauraduncan.com and you can, we talked a little bit about the school. I don't know if we mentioned the master course in today's episode, but you can learn more about that there and uh, also learn about meeting with people one-on-one, whether that be Laura or one of the wonderful students that are no longer students, but are are (laughs) practitioners of the compassion method that you can Um, do a one-on-one with so yeah lots of opportunity to learn how to be okay in any relationship and definitely starts with you but we've got a lot of lots of resources to help you be able to do your your own process yeah so thank you laura and thank you everyone for listening goodbye thank you again for joining us for this episode of triggered and true we hope that you enjoyed it as a reminder if you'd like to ask a question go to triggeredandtrue.com scroll down to the bottom of the page and click ask And if you would like to learn more about the Compassion Method, be sure to check out the Compassion Method Master Course, which can be purchased at CompassionMethod.net. And as a podcast listener, you qualify for a $50 discount, which can be obtained by typing in the coupon code PODCAST50. Again, that's CompassionMethod.net, coupon code PODCAST50. Thank you again. Goodbye.